Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus. Starting at $3 a month. Get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shoutouts, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to GatorsBreakdown.SupportingCast.FM to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. We'll get this thing going. Put it out there. Everybody listen to Twitter Spaces. And this will be a lot of fun, uh, I think, to get it out there to more people. So, all right. Week away. Gator start. We'll be kicking off versus FAU. I'm ready for the season. I know you guys are ready for the season. I'm ready to go. Some, I'm ready to do some tailgating. We got the news this week that the the swamp, you know, can be full capacity. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna get political here, so this will be the last time I say anything about it. But you know, don't have to be vaxxed, don't have to be masked. Uh, know that uh, the sensitive subject, but we talk football here. But of course, if you missed that news, that's how the University of Florida is approaching it here. So, all right, couple requests here. So let's hop in here with Carrie, MD. You guys are uh, in here. Let's get this thing going. What's up, MD? How's it going, Dave? Pretty good, pretty good. How about you, man? Doing well. So, yeah, I, I kind of want to start this off talking about uh, Dewan Black a little bit. Yeah. I'm seeing a lot of stuff about him, uh, you know, moving to, at Star, but they're moving him all over the field. Is it um, too much of a reach to have, like, our expectations of him being an Isaiah Simmons-level player on defense lining up all over the place? Uh, I think eventually that's where you probably do want him. I don't. I wouldn't expect that game one. Uh, he's got a long way to go as far as learning the defense. And, you know, they moved him around a lot. I think they wanted to find the best spot for him. And I know – that's kind of been a critique of a Tiger Anthem defense is not being able to find a home for anybody and they, and they move him around a little bit. But I think that's what they used this fall camp for. They, they moved him around a, a initially a good bit to kind of see where they thought his best fit would be. And it turns out it may not be at linebacker. It may be safety or that nickel star role. Uh, that Right now the thought I have in coming out of this is safety might be just a little easier to learn initially to get him out there and get him on the field. Uh, not as much of a – 
uh, I, I guess just just for him right now, I, I, I've been told multiple times by a couple of people now, and I think we knew this, but I don't, nobody really came out and said it. Todd Grantham's defense is very difficult to learn. Uh, but I always go back to, okay, well, the 2018 defense, you know, it, it didn't look like they had a hard time necessarily learning the defense. The 2019 defense, you know, this is the first couple of years under Todd Grantham. It didn't look like they really had a hard time learning the defense. Uh, at least, you know, to the effect of what we saw in 2020 with misalignments and communication and, and all that. So maybe those things aren't connected. Maybe I'm connecting the dots too much there. Uh, but, you know, I heard it's very hard to learn. But I thought you you had guys who only played in that defense for one year or you had guys that were you know, just playing in that defense in their first season and they didn't look uh, all that lost uh, there. So while it is a – it might be a difficult defense to learn. I think it can be learned. So guys just got to go out there and apply themselves. Uh, but my also thing is kind of going back to last year and adjusting for that. You know, if it is too difficult to learn, dial it down. Make it uh, easy for these guys to play in. Uh, you know, if, if the one black is such a good athlete that you got to have him out there and he's a young player and he's still learning out there because he just got on campus, then, okay, well, you know, dial back what you're asking him to do. Now, not limit his playing time. So I think that's where I'm going with this is I think eventually he can be that Isaiah Simmons type where you can line him up in multiple positions. But to in order to play multiple positions, he's going to have to learn more of the defense. If this, if this is a difficult defense to learn initially anyway – if you want to ask him to learn two positions, then it's going to be even more for him to learn. So I think they want to concentrate him. Looks like more in the secondary right now instead of that linebacker role. So you may see him at that safety. You may see him more in that nickel star role. Um, look, initially when he tweeted, it was a couple months ago, you know, he tweeted where he thought he would be playing, and he said um, nickel star uh, and slash money linebacker. Well, it looks like that second when the money slash linebacker may now may now might be more of the safety, uh, a pure safety role back there with Trey Dean uh, and Mordecai McDaniel. So uh, and and Rashad Torrance. So um, uh, Donovan McMillan also back there in that safety rotation. So I think Florida. I think if you feel if you feel pretty good at safety with those guys, I think you probably do. I think Rashad Torrance, Mordecai McDaniel. Um, uh, and uh, Donovan McMillan, I think you feel pretty good in that second safety spot uh, initially. I think you probably feel better there than you do depth behind Travis Johnson at star. That's why I think DeWan Black might be more playing, playing a little bit more star right now because I think there is a little more depth safety, especially with Donovan McMillan improving uh, or impressing as a freshman. So I think behind Travis Johnson, Florida needs uh, a little more depth there if they, they want to keep some of those other guys at that second cornerback spot as well fighting for that job. Uh, between uh, Avery Helm and John, Jason Marshall and uh, Young back there as well. So um, it's, uh, Black probably needs to stay at safety just because he makes – I think he's a little more comfortable there making plays there uh, And as the season goes along. And maybe even next year we'll see that more Isaiah Simmons role as he learns the defense along the way. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. All right, Carrie, I think you're in here if you want to turn your mic on. Good morning, Dave. Hey, man, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. Long-time Gator fan. Just ready to see us get the, uh, just ready to see us hit the field and get the rope. But I got a question for you. Are you surprised to see the progression that, that Anthony Richardson has made to be 
No, I won't say I'm surprised, and I'll say the only reason I'm not. Um, I got a lot of Anthony Richardson talk from his quarterback coach, who's also here in Jacksonville, Denny Thompson. I talked to Denny a lot, uh, and they don't get me wrong. You know, he he should do this. You know, for quarterbacks, he trains, he hypes his guys. Uh, but, you know, Denny's also a realist when it comes to it as well, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the time. And in talking to him, uh, he's like, look, eventually this dude is going to be elite. He's got everything you want in a quarterback that's going to play with Dan Bowling. Uh, so, you know, coming in as the freshman last year, it, of course it's going to be difficult. It was difficult for everybody in COVID, but just imagine being a quarterback for Dan Bowling and having a limited you know, actually no spring and then a limited fall camp. Now, luckily, he got a few practices in when Florida was preparing for Virginia in the bowl game. You know, he was an early enrollee since he was in Gainesville. It was easy to go to campus. So, yeah, I think he got to take part in two or three practices there. Uh, but, you know, that's just getting his feet wet uh, while the team is preparing for a bowl game. So not a lot of not a lot of us going into that. And then you miss the spring. And then so you're not really, you know, taking part with the – straight tutelage of Dan Mullen and Brian Johnson until you come back for fall camp. Uh, so that's a young quarterback there who missed, you know, the beginnings of, uh, of learning under Dan Mullen. So now, you know, this time you get a full spring, you get a full fall camp. Uh, and Anthony Richardson, I think, took advantage of it. He's got every, like I said, every intangible you want for a Dan Mullen quarterback uh, coming in. Big size, big arm, not afraid to run it, not afraid to throw it. You know, he got better. Uh, in his senior year as well, he really he really stepped up in his completion percentage uh, and growing as a quarterback. Uh, a quarterback, I think that's when he came to Jacksonville uh, and started working with Denny uh, in between his junior and senior year. And you could see the immediate leap that he took in, in, in getting better. Didn't have a lot of talent around him in high school uh, there in Gainesville, so it was uh, him making the plays a lot. And um, they just really wanted to work with his passing aspect, and that's what they did uh, between his junior and senior year. Out there, and you saw that uh, all that work kind of just pay off, and his completion percentage uh, coming up, pass attempts go up as well. They didn't run him as much as they did. Uh, first of all, a quarterback that gets to work with Dan Mullen, and being, I know when he initially committed to Florida, then he did commit it, but around that time he was a three-star. Then he went to camps. More people started to see Anthony Richardson, started to see his size. He hit a big growth spurt as well. And you saw the guy, you saw you saw a boy become a man at that point uh, when you started looking at Anthony Richardson. And I think a lot of people started taking notice. He eventually gets that four-star status uh, there. So, you know, you're talking about a high, you know, uh, four-star quarterback being able to work with Dan Mullen. And that pairing just in and of itself – uh, is a nice baseline to start with. And then him now coming in uh, and all the reports of the offense looking really smooth at him. Uh, he gets to work with the second team most most of the time. Emory's working with the ones most of the time. Uh, but it, it did, you know, we, we got to hear Garrick McGee. If you listen to the uh, most recent episode of Gators Breakdown, uh, we go with Garrick McGee talking about that. Of Emory working with the ones most of the time, but Anthony's also working with the ones as well. Uh, and then Mullen likes to get his quarterbacks reps, get his quarterbacks reps, just to, you know, so they'll be ready just in case that moment comes. And you never know when that moment comes. Of course, the you know, Florida's a perfect example of that. In the last couple of years with Kyle Trask, you never know when that's coming. You got to go be ready. Dan Mullen prepares his quarterbacks uh, better than anybody out there uh, to to get ready for another situation. So, you know, I think um, when you look at it. 
we might see more of Anthony Richardson than we initially believed when fall camp started. I think he's a talent that might be just too hard to keep off the field. And that's not a shot at Emory at all. That's just, hey, we have another player that we just need to get on the field. Uh, and, you know, Florida's going to need to score points. You know, we'll see how this defense does. But, you know, Florida may have to start keeping up a little bit more in games, uh, a lot like last year. And, you know, maybe there's a little bit more uh, potential excitement there at times. If the, if the uh, I'm just saying if, I'm not saying it will, but if the offense gets bogged down a little bit, needs a spark or something like that, and Anthony Richardson comes off the bench, and you can feel comfortable uh, with him out there. And they, you know, they said this week, uh, Anthony uh, and Garrett McGee, that they run. You know, you'll, it's a perfect one-two punch. The offense doesn't change with those two guys. He can go and go in there and do everything Henry Jones does uh, there. And I fully believe that. I really do. From everything I've been hearing, talking to Denny again uh, behind the scenes, he gets to talk to AR uh, during all this. You know, they're still connected. His quarterback coach. Um, that he gets to troll his quarterback trainer, I should say, not his quarterback coach, but his quarterback trainer. They still talk and then talking to Denny. I talked to Denny this, Denny this week, and he's still very high on the potential of AR, AR coming in and, and making an impact for this Gator team. So I, the, the talk that I get from all this that Anthony's playing good, to me, it just means Florida has two good quarterbacks. I, I don't look at it in the way of, well, this must mean Emory's not ready. This must mean Emory's not getting the job done. I don't look at it that way. And maybe it's orange and blue glasses. Maybe it's me being a little bit homer. It just means to me Florida's got two good quarterbacks, and you know Florida can feel pretty comfortable with, with rolling either guy out there. All right. Remember, guys, if you're in, you are being recorded. Uh, well, I'm going to try and turn this, put this into a podcast form as well. I found a way to do that, so thank you guys out there so much for uh, hopping in here and talking some football. Just remember, if you do hop in, you'll be recorded. Uh, pretty much just like a recall-in radio show. That's what, what, what I'm going to try and turn this into just a little bit. So still a couple of times a week, uh, we'll do this during the season. But remember, this is being recorded uh, for, for uh, uh, at later use to put out there. All right, Perry, you in here, man. Uh, what's up? Yeah, you're on mute, Perry. Just in, there you are. Hey, Dave. How are you doing this morning? Good. How about you, man? I'm doing fine. Get ready for football season. Go Gators. Can't wait. Yeah, we get some football tomorrow. We get to watch. We get to, we get to wet our palate. We get to get a little bit of taste of it before uh, we go we go full bore into it next Saturday. Yep. Uh, you do a good job, buddy. I enjoy your podcast and everything you're doing. Thanks for keeping us up and everything. Thank you, man. Hey, Jamarcus Weston. Starting to hear a little little uh, tidbits about him. And uh, the safety play just concerns me. It's, yeah. It has sucked for five or six years. I mean, we just can't seem to get a safety in it. You think Trey Dean's really ready to step up? He seems to have the size. And then with Juan Black, I think uh, he's going to have to play safety. Yeah, so I was, I was talking about just a little bit, uh, Perry, I think right before you came on, I, I do think I think uh, DeJuan Black is going to be pretty much playing mostly safety. Uh, coming up this spring or coming up this fall, um, I just think that's where it's going right now. You uh, you have to probably maybe go back. I don't want to repeat myself here. We can move on for a lot of people who's already listened to. You. Uh, when I post this, you can go back. But I do think the one black is going to play a lot of safety for the Gators this year. I think that's just where he fits uh, naturally. But you know, talking about the safety position uh, and and other guys as well, Donovan McMillan was a guy who back in the spring. You know, he's a freshman. Uh, he's a young guy that keeps impressing date back to the spring and now fall camp as well. So you're building some depth there. You know, what's, Rashad his, what's his size? Six two, two hundred. 
Oh, uh, hold on. Let's see. What He's is... a four-star, wasn't he? Yep, yep. Um, he was a big get at safety. He just hadn't come on, you know, like a, like I thought he would. Any uh, redshirt sophomore? Uh, I think he's a true freshman, right? True. Oh, I'm, true freshman. Okay, I, might have I, I think so. If I if I'm remembering right, let yeah. me uh, yeah. let me make sure so I'm not uh, speaking out of turn here. But I think. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's a true fre- Yeah, true freshman. Four star, six two, mm-hmm. one ninety three was his re- recruiting profile. So uh, yeah, came in in spring, really impressed, and then um, uh, I can I'm continuing to hear good things about McMillan there. So I think Florida's building some depth. That is just one position you're right there. I, I I do have to see just because the play there has just been putrid. Uh, for, 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 yeah. I mean they've got they got lucky at some points. You go back to 2018 and Donovan Steiner sack versus Mississippi State and um you know, some good play there you know Donovan Steiner you know it was it's a, it was really a roller coaster with him um he just never could pick the right angle no, he just didn't get the angles right like in the, the staff liked him because he was a smart player but mm-hmm. he was just so limited physically mm-hmm. uh you know and I'm not trying to take a shot at him I mean look he's no no he, and he made a play in you know NFL preseason in, in the first game of the year for, for uh Steelers I believe and all that, you know, he might make an NFL roster or so. I mean, I, but he's just, he was just limited and, as you said, taking wrong angles and stuff. So, yeah, some bad play there. Uh, Sean Davis was up and down. I mean, the whole, the whole defense was up and down, or, you know, most well, of that yeah. last year. But, um, you know, you just didn't, you really never saw a lot of consistency in the, in the safety position uh, well, there. So, I, I do think there's Trey Dean, you know, he played that position in high school. We wanted to play a little bit different positions coming into Florida. They tried corner because they had to when Marco Wilson went down in 2018. Then they slid him in the star once Chauncey Gardner-Johnson left. That didn't work out. Uh, so, maybe – more of a natural fit at safety just because he played more of that in high school, more comfortable there, can be a leader back there. Um, from everything I've heard in fall camp, he's been really aggressive. Uh, they've had to get on to him about how aggressive and physical he's been in fall camp just a little bit. They want him to dial it down just a little bit. Um, that doesn't concern me too much, you know, even like late hits and stuff. They've had to warn him about, that, about all that. Not concerned about all that because we haven't, we haven't really seen that – from Trey Dean on on the on the field in game so far in his career, uh, you know he's not really a, a guy that's been called for a lot of penalties or anything in that regard. So, um, I, well, I think he's I, just I, aggressive. I, 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 think he, yeah. I think he's aggressive, and I'm glad. I'm glad he's being that's what I'm aggressive. Saying. That's what he's got to yeah. be. Yeah, I don't mind hearing that right now in fall camp yeah. because this defense wasn't aggressive at all last year. So if you're gonna sit here and tell no. me there's a guy, if, you, if there's a guy back there right now that's playing aggressive uh, and maybe trying to spread that mindset to the defense, then you know don't hit the quarterback late and don't hit guys late, don't hit guys low. But if you're out there being aggressive, then go for it. You know, we, yeah. somebody somebody on that defense needs to be after what we saw last year. Well, do you not think this is the most talented roster depth wise we've had in probably ten years? Just top to bottom is finally filled out like like it needs to be. Oh yeah, and you look at recruiting rankings; it, it absolutely yeah. is. You know, it's just it's just experience. That that's where yeah. it comes. That's where it comes down to. It's just experience. I mean, and the roster's balanced as well. You know, you're not you don't have you know, you know, twenty DBs back there that are rated four star, five star, and that uh, balances the recruiting rankings <laughs> or somewhat, or like a Will Muschamp. You know, where all the uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. The higher stars for this team is also on the defensive side of the ball, but it wasn't so unbalanced like it was under Will Muschamp. Uh, when, when you look at it that way, uh, so I think there's just you know recruiting numbers wise have been pretty good. Offensive line, I'd still like to see a little higher uh, numbers wise and um, baseline talent wise, 
But everywhere else, everywhere else uh, on this team's pretty well balanced. Yeah, uh, there now just uh, you know just kind of raise the floor uh, of recruiting just a little bit, and, or you know raise the ceiling. I guess you know the, the floor is okay, uh, but the ceiling just needs to be a little higher with some of those. Well, I, there. But I, that's I think, uh, you know I that's think a, that's I think we're making too much out of recruiting with Dan's ability to coach. I think everybody needs to relax. We finish in that five to nine. Yeah, I'd like to pull a couple more five stars than we're pulling, especially on offensive line or defensive end or something like that. But I, I really think his ability to coach is going to offset some of that. And I look forward to beating the two frat boys at Georgia, bowl cup and must jump. I cannot wait. We're going to score their season this year. And, you know, they were on the field a lot in the, in the 90s when they were playing Spurs, so you're used to getting their butt kicked by Florida. But that's going to be one of the most savoring wins this year that I've ever had as a Florida Gator. So, uh, go, go Gators, buddy. Thanks for all you do, and I'll let somebody else get in here. Sounds good. Thanks, Perry. Thank you. All right, Kobe, man, what's up? Dave, what's going on, brother? Doing this, uh, doing this Friday morning. Hey, man, um, I, I want to talk a little bit about the defensive line, man. It seems like from Buck all the way across to strong side defensive end, the, the starters look really good, but we have depth, man. What what type of impact do you think that's going to make on the defense? Uh, say, say that last part again. <clears throat> the depth that we have across yeah. the board, what, do you, what type of impact do you think that's going to bring to the defense? I think it. Yeah, I think it means a whole lot just because uh, it helps those guys play in their more natural positions. For one thing, uh, you don't have. I don't think you're going to have Zach Carter filling in too much defensive tackle like he was last year. Uh, you know, Brent Cox will be able to stand up now, uh, and it really it really helps there. But you know, um, those are the guys that we expect to hear from. You know, Valentino and Shelton and, and, and Cox and uh, and Carter, Dexter, of course, too. Uh, what it now? I think this party goes really deep there with with Chatfield and Bogle. Those are two guys I want to see uh, a lot more of, and they'll be fresh when they come on the field. Those guys are experienced enough now. Uh, Chris Bogle got you know when uh, I had somebody at the uh, uh, scrimmage last week. Bogle was a guy that pointed out he got a lot. He's, he's getting a lot more playing time with Cox. You know, kind of just nursing that injury a little bit. They know what they have in Zachary Carter. Uh, so now that a lot of these young players are getting a lot of playing time in, in the scrimmage setting, and Bogle was one player that was pointed out, that he was singled out, and what he was able to do in the scrimmage last week looking really good. And apparently had a really good fall camp as well. We actually got to hear from him uh, from, the, from, the, from the media this week. And he's not making too much of it uh, as far as, you know, getting more of an opportunity uh, because, you know, those guys were nursing uh, some injuries. I think he, he was going to be a guy they were counting on anyway. Uh, and now I think, you know, he's just now proving uh, with those guys out that, you know, he can be a, a piece that's counted on. Um, Chatfield flashed a lot last year as well. One player, I'm Prince Human Milan. I'm really excited for he's flashed as well uh, as, a, as a true freshman. And if you go back to earlier in fall camp, the thing for him was we just got to have him become an every down player. You know, he's really good on third down. He's a specialist. He, he was really good on third down last year. That's what we put him in for. That was the, the, the uh, situations that we put him in. Now we needed him to hit the weight room and be an every down player, you know, not be so light uh, on his feet uh, and, and put some weight on. And now he could be an every down player. He can help set the edge if he gets just a little bit bigger. So that was the, uh, the, the message for, uh, Princeton Newman Nealon and, and coming around and getting on the field 
field a bit more, getting some more size so he can become an every-down player. And the same thing about Desmond Watson now. Uh, we heard about him in the spring and, and his size and his weight and being able to move around. But he wasn't able to move around a lot. And that's kind of the same thing uh, that's kind of shifting uh, towards fall camp. Now, he got a lot of time uh, in the second part of the scrimmage on Sunday night. They wanted to, you know, they basically they want to see how far they can push Desmond Watson right now because they see his value. They see uh, the value his size and his speed brings. Uh, but they, now they want to see how much he can actually play at that size because, uh, you know, we talk about um, – you and Milan need to be an every-down player by putting on weight. Desmond Watson needs to become an every-down player by losing a little bit of weight so he can be out there in the field more, work him into shape, get him on the field a little bit more. Uh, and, you know, he's played a lot. He did some really good things in the scrimmage for uh, uh, an extended period of time. Uh, but, you know, you're not going to ask him. And, and what Florida has, you're not, you don't need him to play a whole lot either. But I think, you know, late in game situations when teams are maybe trying to run the ball just a little bit more, you'll see Desmond Watson out there uh, short uh, – you know, uh, third and short situations, fourth and short situations, goal line situations. Desmond Watson is the guy I want to see in, in there, even as a freshman. You know, I don't. You you know your assignment pretty much. Then you you got to you got to tackle somebody before they get to the line of scrimmage or before they score a touchdown. Uh, so Desmond Watson, I think, is another uh, another piece there. I think they're starting to see what they have with him, how much they can play him. So I I, I agree. Chatfield, Bogle, Human Milan, Watson, and it is. We're going to have to hear more from a lot of those defensive tackles too. You know, Lamar Goods, um, uh, th- th- those guys there. You, you have some names that really, really have to start showing up at, at, at defensive tackle. Guys that have just been recruited um, the last few years that we just haven't really heard a whole lot from. You know, it's time for those guys to, to to step up as well. We just haven't heard a whole lot. You know, we've we, we trans- we've been concentrating on those transfers a whole lot. Valentino and Newkirk for obvious reasons, uh, but Florida's got some depth there at defensive tackle from some younger players that really need to step up this year as well. Appreciate that, Dave. Thanks, man. Hey, David, it's Coach Guns. What's up, man? So what do you think with this whole Emory AR situation? How long of a leash do you think Emory has? And assuming, let's just say, worst-case scenario, we'll lose the Bama and LSU game, do you think a quarterback change happens before the Georgia game or after the Georgia game? Yeah, I've, uh, I've, I've spoken on that a couple times before. Um, the leash there, uh, it, it, it's it is an interesting prospect. Uh, when, you, when you look at what AR has been able to do uh, and how maybe you know, he's closed the gap on you know, how – you know, confident, you know, they could fill in him, they could fill in him coming in and, and playing that quarterback spot. The least thing is tricky, uh, of course, you know, and let's just say, you know, just this is latest scenario out there, not saying it does happen, but you're right. You know, if Florida plays Alabama and the offense, you know, just doesn't really look all that good. Now, I don't think, you know, if the offense doesn't look all that good, uh, in, in that game, I don't think Mullen stands by. I think you know if if the offense is just kind of not you know early on in the game, the first quarter and a half, not really able to get it going out. If it's still a close game and the defense is doing its job, then you probably still roll with the Embry and see if he can just get out of it. But I mean, I think AR is going to play a lot anyway, and this is if the the offense is rolling. I, I think you know Embry they're, they're going to just have a package for Embry. 
maybe even more so than what they had for Emory in the last couple of years. Uh, but AR comes in and, get, and gets, a, it gets a good bit of play in time. And I'm not so sure he's sprinkled in like Emory was the last couple of years. I think he gets full drives. I think he comes in and, all right, this is your drive. You know, you're not going to play two plays, and then here comes the, the starting quarterback off the, off the sideline. I think it's going to be, this is your drive, and let's go see what you got. Um, but just to say, that does happen. Um, you know, you're falling behind a little bit. You know, it's first quarter and a half. I think he, I think Mullen's going to see what AR has and see what he can do to see if he can get the offense back in line. Uh, but that still probably means Emory starts the next week unless AR just comes in and just lights it up uh, and, and brings Florida back and all that kind of – you know, there's so many scenarios and so many ways to look at it. But just going by your scenario, say the offense struggles versus Alabama – um, and then uh, Emory's still the guy. You go into LSU, uh, and that's your second loss, and the offense still kind of treading water throughout the season. Then I do think you make that move uh, it, during the bye week. Uh, if you still have a lot, to, you probably still have a lot to play for. If them and LSU are your only losses, uh, we'll see what Georgia's schedule holds as well. But that game in Jacksonville is important no matter what. And if you want to try and build for 2022 at the same time, I'm not saying throw 2021 away, but if you want to build towards 2022 at the same time, then that's the, probably the perfect time to, to make the switch, the bye week before uh, Georgia. And, and, and like, I'm not saying, you know, I'm just speaking to your scenario here. I'm not saying that's what happens or anything, but if that scenario does happen, if you get to LSU, that's your second loss of the season. If the offense is not where – uh, we want it now. The coaching staff may see it different, of, of course. Uh, but you know, you could. I think you could see uh, the move made to AR there, and um, the leash is important. I think you, if you got two quarterbacks ready to go, and and Mullen knows those quarterbacks are ready to go, I still don't know if he knew what he had in Kyle Trask when Kyle Trask come off the bench versus Kentucky. Uh, I. I I don't know if anybody saw that coming. I, there was a lot of people out there who believed in Kyle Trask and believed he'd be a good quarterback. I'm not so sure anybody saw um, what he was, at least the ceiling in 2020, was able to be with Kyle Trask uh, and, you know, basically what he did in 2019 as well. You know, a lot of people were behind him. A lot of people wanted him on the field over Felipe Franks. Uh, but I, don't, I just don't know if a lot of people thought he'd be that good. Uh, and it was a nice surprise. I'm not even sure the coaching staff knew he'd be that good. Uh, with AR, I think they might have an inclination that he can be uh, what they want him to be. So I think the leash might be a little shorter there. If, you know, and if, I mean, I want to stress if, I'm not calling for a quarterback change or anything, just kind of speaking to your scenario here. If the job doesn't get done in Emory, I think the lease is a little bit shorter for AR to get in. Thanks, David. Go Gators. Go Gators. All right, everybody. Remember, you are being recorded for this. So if you don't want to be recorded, don't, uh, you know, don't request to speak in here and all that good stuff. But, uh, Definitely, I uh, want to get this out there to more people after the fact. Uh, so uh, we'll put it out there. Uh, we'll go for a few more minutes or so. So bring a couple more in here and uh, get this going. Good job, you, man. I'm doing. I'm doing good. I got a couple. I got a couple of questions to ask you. N- number one. Um, I was, uh, you know, happened to be uh, doing some uh, recent videos and stuff, and I came across a little uh, session that Dan Mullen had with the media at NCC Media Days. And during that conversation, he talked about some of the rules that they have in practices. Um, and he mentioned the fact that wanting the guys to have more off days and they're, they're not letting them do that. 
Is there a reason behind that? I mean, you would think that you, safety and health protocol would be the main concern. Uh, that's what Dan Mullen wants. You know, he wants more time off for guys to recover in between practices. They, they, yeah, they squeeze down um, how many uh, weeks I think it was, or the how many days? It, I, I forget what it was, but yeah, Florida didn't have a whole lot of days off uh, once they started fall camp, and there's not a lot of time for recovery there. Uh, so I don't know how they. I don't necessarily know how they went about it. Like I said, I know in the scrimmages. They didn't let the starters go a whole lot. And I think, you know, a lot of it was that they know what they have in a whole lot of the starters, but also probably going to that point as well is just not uh, putting those guys out there more than they really need to be because it wasn't a whole lot of recovery time uh, in fall camp there. So I forget the exact number and how many weeks they had, right. how many, how many know, days I, I they could practice. But there was a whole – yeah, the, Dan Mullen was really worried about uh, – now, you know, the worry for me there was they were, he was really worried about injuries – in for the COVID 2020 season as well. Florida didn't go all that hard uh, in practice because he was trying – they didn't get physical in practice uh, as much because, um, you know, he wanted to save everybody and at least have them on the field. And I think that translated into a lot of what we saw with defense last year. Uh, so hopefully – but, you know, that doesn't translate again. Uh, I'm trying to keep everybody healthy uh, and not so much. But I've heard, you know, practice has been physical. The, the beginning of fall camp was – really physical for these guys you know i think uh that's a product of last year uh that's a product of you know having nick savage uh and bouncing back from that as well uh so there's a lot of things that went into fall camp this year uh where physicality was more um more of a topic for these guys but also at the same time knowing that you have back-to-back days of practice uh, more so than you had in fall camp before, that there's a way that you need to protect these guys. And uh, they, 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 they went about that. So uh, that, that's really what it was. It was just a, the, the timeline was was shrinking a little bit as far as fall camp goes. A lot of back-to-back practices and not enough time for recovery yeah, for these guys. I see. Okay, that's what that, I, I kind of thought that was what it was, but wasn't sure. We're hearing that Kair Elam is going to be playing what's called – the star position. Um, is that where uh, safety acts as a linebacker? Is, is he playing like two positions at one time? Uh, you know that it's that that star position. Uh, it's a it's a unicorn right now for Florida. Uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson was the the best example of that. Twenty eighteen. Haven't seen any play like that since. Uh, you're probably looking at a safety linebacker hybrid. Uh, in certain situations, I think you could be a star and it'd be more passing situations as well. Uh, you know, there were some work Kyrie Elam's working in there, but that's from what I was told only for emergency uses only. Uh, you know, he's going to be oh, that first okay. that first cornerback uh, there for the Gators. He did some work there in the nickel, but it was uh, just more of an emergency thing if something happens there. I have to shift some guy because they they are deep at cornerback. They don't know, you know, they're they're working through finding out who they want to be that second cornerback opposite Kyrie Elam. But they do have a lot of names there. They have a lot of youth there. They have, they're working a lot of guys there. So if the the worst happens and you get the injury bug back there, I think, you know, well, can Kyrie play nickel and then can Jason Marshall be corner one and Avery Helm be corner two. And you get three good DBs on the field at the same time. That's where that comes into play. So it's only trying there just in case the worst happens, injury bug back there. At least he's worked there, and it's not a total surprise. Gotcha. I I thought thinking that he was going to be doing this full time, but thank you very much for the clarification. You do a great job. I have to get going, and my friend, and uh, 
As always, guys, go Gators. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Jeff. Bye-bye. Hey, good morning, Dave. Hey, Nick. How you doing, man? Doing pretty good. Greetings from Birmingham. There we go. Uh, uh, about a month ago, I was up there for SEC Media Day. So about absolutely. a month, a week or so. Absolutely. Absolutely. I had to wait till my wife leaves out. She's a big Bama fan, so I don't want, I don't want to hear nothing. So, But I got a question. Don't get, don't get in trouble now. I won't, no, I won't no, no, no. Get in trouble. <laughs> got a question for you. What's up, man? What do you want to see? What do you want to see next week against FAU offensively and defensively that would that you would say, man, you know what? I think we're going to be all right this year. And what do you not want to see offensively and defensively for you to say, oh, I got questions about this year? Uh, a lot of those things will be related. Um, and I got, I will have to save some for the podcast next week. So I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll brush by it just a little bit. Okay. Uh, uh, what I definitely want to see, and I think everybody will agree here, this will be no surprise. Just, just run the ball. I mean, I don't care who it is. We, we've got to see this offensive line show some sort of control, no matter who the opponent is. Uh, you, know, you didn't see it last year. There were teams you should have been able to run the ball on that you didn't necessarily see Florida run the ball on. Uh, and we want to see this offensive line. I want to see Gene Delance pass block. I want to see uh, these inside interior offensive linemen get a big push and make it easier for these running backs to hit some big plays. That's uh, that's probably it for me, looking at the run game. And you guys know if you listen to Gators Breakdown, I'm a big explosive run guy. I want to see some explosive runs from the get-go. Uh, you're playing FAU. It shouldn't be an issue. It shouldn't be a problem. Go out there and show me you can hit some big plays in the run game. Uh, Defense, I'll say <laughs> we know this one. Just line up. <laughs> it didn't matter who was Florida's. Like, once again, kind of going to the offensive line. It didn't matter who they were playing for the defense. It didn't matter who they were playing last year. You couldn't get lined up. And look, you could be playing a peewee team. It didn't matter. Go line up. Go see what you're doing. Uh, know what you're doing out there on the field. Be in position by the time the ball is snapped. I don't want to see guys with their hands up in the air. I don't want to see guys running around when this ball snapped. You know, I want to see all 11 guys on the same page uh, on this defense. That's the that's the two biggest things for me. And like I said, you you said good things and bad things. Like I said, those are related to me. I yeah. Was, you know, so um, that that's initially, you know, so I can save some for the podcast next week too. Those are the uh, the two things that I have to see next week for for, for the Gator team uh, in playing FAU. Like I said, it didn't matter who they were playing; they could be they could be playing a flag football team uh, for all I care. But those are the things I have to see. Um, you know, to I won't necessarily say feel good about the season because you know that doesn't necessarily translate since you're playing FAU. But those are things that I just. I have to see just because of who you are playing, uh, but it doesn't necessarily tell me, um, you know, any type of success Florida will have uh, toward the rest of the year. Okay, uh, I appreciate that, and uh, and I really do think they're gonna be pretty good this year because they they actually got a summer and a spring, and I know we don't get a lot of the high profile recruits, but they are good developers and Nick Savage is great with transforming their bodies. So I, I do think we're going to have a, a real good year this year. I appreciate it, Dave. Thanks, man. Go Gators. Go Gators. All right. Let's see here. Got some more in here. I got a few more. What's up, man? How are you? 
hey, sorry I couldn't get in on you on Monday, and I'm, like, calling in real quick before we go into surgery right now. I got an emergency case I got to do. Um, right. Hey, I just want to hop in right quick. Yesterday I was listening to Peter Burns, sorry, behind uh, on Paul Feinbaum, but he actually was kind of like in our favor somewhat when we play Alabama. And he was like, guys, I don't understand. Alabama is somewhat vulnerable. Uh, you know, of course, the Alabama fans were calling in and, oh, we going to beat the Gators and blah, blah. I'm sitting up there like, you idiots. I, I just got to let Alabama fans be Alabama fans. But I, I heard what you said when you was talking about you want to see people lining up. Ain't nobody need to be running around like they don't know what the hell they doing and chickens with their neck cut off. So I'm hoping that we get all that, what you said, down pat these first two games and then come the third week of the season. We just shocked the world. We shocked the world. I ain't saying that we're going to be back, but at least shocked the world that we could actually do what we came to do. You know what I'm saying? I hear you, man. Um, and looking at that game, I was talking about this on another podcast yesterday, and you know everybody's kind of looking forward to that game because, hey, look, while you know Florida kicks off versus FAU, uh, you have Georgia playing Clemson, but that's a neutral site game in Charlotte. You have Alabama playing Miami, but that's a neutral site game in Atlanta. You know, you don't get your first big taste of SEC football until Alabama rolls into Gainesville. Uh, there's some other SEC games, of course, before that, but like week two, but you don't get your traditional – SEC power matchup until week three and Florida and Alabama play. And, I, you know, and I've said this before, and I'll say it the week of the game too. You know, last year, 2020, it showed us how close those teams can be. You know, Florida had a peaks and valleys, ups and downs in 2020. But when Florida was at there, you know, when Florida could play one of their best games, they could play with Alabama. Uh, what 2021 will show us is maybe just how far or how close the gap is um, – Program-wise, uh, you know, if you play Alabama close again, you can sit here and say, "All right, well, we know we're behind. We know that that's that's yeah, Alabama's in front of everybody. Everybody's behind Alabama, you know. But maybe we're not as far behind. You know, we can sit here and talk recruiting rankings and all that kind of stuff. But still, maybe we're not that far behind. But since you played them close last year, you go into 2021. Florida has a lot of change. You change at quarterback. You know, Alabama goes through change, and it's just status quo for them. You know, it doesn't matter if they're going through change; they're still a top one, two, three team in the country. Florida goes through some change, and the perception is, all right, well, Florida's going to fall back a little bit. You have, a ch you have a chance to change that perception when you play Alabama week three. And if it's another close game like it was last year, or you just happen to upset Alabama, well, it's like, okay, you know, look, we're still not on Alabama's level, but we're showing program-wise, you know, we can play with these guys. We've, we, played them we played them close last year in a loss. We played them close, and we beat them this year. You know, we're still behind. Clearly, we're behind overall. You know, Alabama does it at a consistent level, but maybe the gap isn't as far as what everybody perceives it to be. So that, that, that's something I think is on the line just a little bit uh, when Florida plays Alabama in week three. You're looking at how close the programs can be in Dan Mullen's fourth season. Exactly. I would totally agree with that. And one other thing, David, I wanted to get your take on it. Um, yesterday, I kind of chimed in on a, a Twitter post where they were talking about Nolan wants and his father wants to come down for the Alabama-Florida game after he then made his pick of his top three. 
And I'm like, sure, he's more welcome to come, pay for a ticket just like the rest of us. <laughs> and you're more welcome to come and see it and, you know, be a part of it and this, that, and other. But I just feel like, and this is just me, I played ball too. I played for Texas A&M and I played at Alcorn State University with Donald Driver and um, Steve McNair. When we were going to college, we had to audition for the coaches. We had to show them that we had interest in the school to get those scholarships. It has totally reversed now that the coaches got to sell their school to people, to players to come, where before it used to be we had to sell ourselves to get those scholarships because we were competing with other people to get those slots. And I just think right now these kids are just way too entitled. Don't get me wrong. Some are worth the scholarships that we spend on them, but all the prima donnas and stuff, man, oh my God, it's just, it's getting out of hand. Choose, and just like when you had Ben on the program, on the podcast and on the YouTube page the other day, Ben hit it right on the money when he said one beat, one team, one heartbeat, one team. What legacy are y'all guys trying to leave the legacy that y'all following, y'all got to hold up. So my thing is with these kids, man, I ain't. Nolan's a good player. Yeah, we could use him. But there are about 16 more of them in the waiting. So, I mean, they need to really get their mind correct. What you think? Uh, yeah, yeah, recruiting's changed. Uh, it, it definitely is a wine and dine situation now. Uh, you know, especially a lot of these high-profile uh, athletes like 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 Nolan, and you know, he's gonna he's gonna get wine and dine. You know, if he get official visits for that Alabama, he won't be paying for his own ticket or anything like that. <laughs> so, uh, and you know, you don't want word like that. You know, you. You, you can't really play that game because it's a, it's a chain reaction of a lot of other top players and future classes kind of see how you do that. Then, you know, it's a chain reaction and uh, it doesn't speak all too well, uh, of course, and what, uh, what, what recruits are looking for. So if any guy, if any high profile player doesn't matter, look that in that top three for him, I very seriously doubt that's his final top three. Uh, that's just uh, games being played by, by pops and, and, and the, the whole recruiting game being played right now. That's just where, where that one stands. And I'm not saying, you know, Florida ends up getting him in the end. Uh, I think Florida's still in it more than some want to believe. I don't think Florida would be the pick right now. Uh, but I still think, you know, there's, there's a shot, there's a chance out there, very slim, uh, but still out there. You know, if he was to probably put out a top five, I think Florida would be in it or something. If we put out a top three right now, Florida might be in it. That's how fluid uh, and that's how the recruiting game is working right now uh, in, in that situation. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's a touchy, hot subject as far as recruiting goes. I'm about ready, of course. You know, a lot of people, if they've listened to Gators Breakdown for, for years to come, you know, recruiting is more of an off-season topic for me. Once we get into this week, next week, games start rolling in, I don't really talk about it all too much until signing day unless somebody commits. That's just uh, – I, I, I care more. Don't get me wrong. It, it, it's all in relation, and eventually um, you look at it as in, you know, it, it does – most part uh, unless somebody commits. So that's just kind of where kind – of, kind of where I stand with it, kind of where I put my feet in the sand or, you know, draw a line in the sand, put my feet in the dirt. Once the season starts, you know, recruiting goes by the wayside – 
I know it's popular. I know it's a hot topic, but the way I way I do things, I'd rather concentrate on these twelve games. These twelve games, we don't we don't you know we, we wait for these twelve games all year, uh, and you know we look for these twelve games to have fun. You know, go tailgate, go to games. Uh, recruiting for me, you know, it just kind of falls by the wayside uh, once uh, once the games get kicked off. I, I care more about the actual pigskin uh, this time of year than uh, guys who could potentially be Gators unless they commit. There's my soapbox moment, I guess. <laughs> uh, so, uh, all right, let's see. We get a couple more in here before I go. We're going about an hour already. So, a couple more uh, as we get in here. Everybody, remember being recorded. So, if you don't want to be recorded, don't want to be a part of it, you know, uh, don't hop in. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to put this out here for everybody else as well uh, later on, right after this. So, uh, North, uh, let's see, North Florida's finest big trust gator. You're in here now. So, uh, what's up? Good morning, Dave. Um, I just had a question about, um, defensive personnel. I saw some of the reports from the scrimmage and everything that Mordecai was working with Elam at safety. And you were talking earlier about the star position being such a hybrid linebacker defensive back position. And I was wondering what the reports were on Dowin Black out of camp. And if you think he'll contribute early or if that may be a, you know, because I know they want Johnson to play star. So I was just wondering about that other safety position. And um, and also if they're going to rotate star, or, you know, if, if Black's going to work more as a safety or you think he's going to work more and rotate with Johnson at star or um, – also, you know, I don't. Are they rotating? I know Elam is set, or I'm sorry, Elam, but Dean is set at the other at one safety. But are they rotating Collier and these other guys that are could be playing safety also? And um, what? Who are the two, two defense starting defensive tackles going to be? Is it going to be the transfer from Penn State and Dexter, or is it going to be just the two transfers? I appreciate. Uh, it. Yeah. Uh, so, I, like I said, I am recording this um, since I, I have talked about it a couple times already with DeWan Black in the safety position. So, I'll post this again. You have to, you know, can go back and listen to the beginning of it, just so I can get some other people uh, in here. But I just went in depth there as far as uh, safety rotation, what they're expected from DeWan Black and, and, and that star position as well. So, uh, that's been hit a little bit. Uh, you you did bring up Corey Collier. Uh, so I, I will go into him. I expect him not to get much playing time this year, and not necessarily because of him. I think uh, I brought up the names earlier. You have Trading, you have Mordecai McDaniel, Rashad Torrens, the one black in that rotation at safety now. Uh, Corey Collier, I think, uh, probably prime redshirt candidate right now. He needs to put on a little bit of weight. Uh, he'll get plenty of experience. You know, you look at these first couple games, and I think you know you still got that redshirt rule right now, where you guys can play a whole lot more football now. Uh, and, and still save their red shirt. So I expect him to get some playing times in these, you know, FAU, USF, Samford type of games, or Vanderbilt as well. Uh, you know, but you go four games, but save that red shirt out there. But Corey Collier, I don't, I don't think I know, I know high profile uh, recruit, but I think there's a few guys in front of him. Donovan McMillan, you know, not as highly recruited as Corey Collier at safety, but he's the freshman I'm actually hearing more about as far as maybe getting into that safety rotation, somebody who impressed in the spring, somebody who keeps impressing in the fall. So I think that's uh, uh, where you can look at uh, kind of some names there at safety. Uh, but uh, like I said, go back. I'll, I'll try and post this recording uh, right there, but toward the beginning of it, there's uh, a whole lot of the one black talk uh, and, and how he fits into this as well. I got in late. Sorry about that. All good, all good man. All good. 
that's then that's one reason I wanted to start recording this because uh, I know a lot of people it's it's hard to hop in at, at a certain time uh, there. So I'm gonna try and do this on a set schedule when the season starts. I'll try and try and make a set schedule for this. It's it's kind of tough, uh, but you know, just so everybody kind of knows when to expect it, so they can hop in and and, and hit it live. But uh, I'm gonna start posting recordings of this as well. Uh, what up, Dave? Hey, what up? How you doing, man? Hey, I'm chilling, chilling, man. It's unique, man. I was thinking about uh, this Florida team is probably the closest to like what what most people say Dan Mullins type of system. Uh, would would you take this team versus Bama or the 2017 Mississippi State team that played the nine and Bama that went to the wire? Oh, I'll take this team. Talent levels much higher. Um. And that, that, and that to me, the potential is higher. Um, now that 2017 team was was good for Dan Mullen. You know, Nick Fitzgerald was just very limited as a quarterback. Uh, Dan Mullen should get a whole lot of credit for what he did with him, and we saw it. You know, the very next year, Dan Mullen's at Florida. Nick Fitzgerald was there with Joe Moorhead, and Mississippi State's nowhere near what they were with Dan Mullen the year before that. And uh, Nick Fitzgerald was a more experienced quarterback. Uh, and, you know, you could tell he missed Dan Mullen. That team missed Dan Mullen at, uh, as their head coach, offensive coordinator, the man calling plays. Uh, you could tell they missed that. So, um, but still, overall talent level. And then, look, I, I know that team played Alabama. Very, very tough. I think – but here's the thing. This Alabama team this year, uh, I think, you know, I think Alabama last year, this year, I still think, you know, I know – Maybe blasphemy, but you know, better than they were back then. I think uh, just uh, they were still kind of going through that transition in offense a little bit. You know, trying to rely more on the quarterback, rely more on a passing game. They're fully, you know, fully into that mode right now. Now there's some some, some changes, and they, you know, the offensive coordinator changes, and a lot of talent loss as well. But you know, Alabama and the way they've recruited, and you know, what's up there, coming off their highest recruiting class ever, which is unimaginable crazy uh but uh it's just where it is i, I take this Florida team though there's still much more talent emory jones much more talented than nick fitzgerald the wide receiver core deeper more highly recruited i mean the talent level is much higher what he's working with now than what it ever was at mississippi state even with his best teams uh there and i'm not saying you know um this team can be 2014 mississippi state or anything like that because you you had a special quarterback you had a special quarterback in that press guy we still got to see that and i'm not saying we can't be that i'm not saying he will be that i'm not saying he won't be that but i will have to see that before i'm going to sit here and say all right this can be 2014 mississippi state with that press guy uh that's a that's a that's a big that's a big ask uh for a team right now and we'll we'll see if it comes to that but i i picked this team uh right now over that 2017 mississippi state team Okay, that's that's what I'm trying to see where like kind of where we sit because I still would think that a nine team in and that in that far in the season, Bama would still be better than this fresh Bama that you get in the third game. No, I, I see, I can see your point there. Yeah, points of the season do come into play, and you're right about that. Now, yeah, that game was later in the season, and you know, a more well gelled Alabama team, and that's one reason a lot of people are giving Florida a shot this year. They don't think Florida's as good as Alabama, but hey, it's an early season game. It's a, a lot of young players on Bama's team. This is their first big true road game in the swamp. 
Uh, no, I can, I, I can, I can see your point there. Absolutely, I think you look at it that way, then you can kind of, you can kind of separate the two a, a bit more to where you might lean more towards a, you know, a, a later, later season team more so than this year in an early season team. All right, so we're looking at a one possession game. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so, man. Bama scares me. You know, it's, it's, it's like last year. I know I, I thought it would be you know, as long as Florida's offense showed up. I was like, okay, it's going to be a game. It's going to be a great game uh, there. But I, I am really high on Alabama's defense uh, and, and starting this year. They were they'll start the season much stronger on defense than they did last year. I mean, I, I said it before, and I'll say it again. I thought Alabama's defense at the end of the year last year was probably the best defense in the country. I know they, but they worked up to that. They were not that at the beginning of the season. They were the team that got better as the season went on on the defensive side of the ball. And they're pretty much just picking up from there uh, this season. They've got to play some defensive backs, of course. But I think you know, well, Alabama, their, their front seven is nasty, and I mean, it's it's going to be, and you know we. We all worry about this offensive line and the running game and stuff. That's going to be a test. That, that Alabama front seven is going to be a big test. And I don't want the, I don't want I don't want people to kind of look at Alabama last year and you know the, the way they started the year on defense and think that's going to kind of correlate to this year. I, I think Alabama's defense is going to be pretty good from the get go. All right. Yeah, I've been trying to match those two teams. <laughs> I'm like 2017 might be the closest one. I'm going just position by position. I'm like, yeah, we got them there, there, there. Then it comes down to offensive line. I think Mississippi State probably had a better offensive line. Um, I mean, recruiting rankings say no. Um, well, no, no. Yeah, but, I, but I know yeah, what you're yeah, that's what I'm saying. Your recruiting rankings say no, but I'm saying I might agree with you there too. You know, you were way, way, way far in development there. Uh, Mississippi State and John Hevesy. and like I said, I think that style of offense suits what he wants to do as an offensive line coach and what he develops for and what he recruits for. Um, and, you know, like I said, I think that helps Florida this year as well because I think you see more of that style of offense. Uh, but they were just kind of more in tune with that style of offense, more so than like Florida now coming off of two years where you were dropping back and pass walking 40 times a game. Yeah. All right. All right. Thanks, Nick, man. Thanks for hopping in. Yo, yeah. yeah. All right, guys, that will do it here. I mean, it was uh, pretty cool here. Uh, like I said, recording this, hopefully it all recorded well. I'll put it up there for everybody to go back and listen to uh, if they didn't get to catch all of it. So I'll try to post it in the next uh, few minutes or so. But uh, everybody, hey, go join Gators Breakdown Plus. Big season coming up. A lot of giveaways coming up as well uh, there for Gators Breakdown Plus to kick the season off. A lot of extra content uh, would be out there. More Things like this right here, there I do some private chats on there. Uh, I'll, I'll post those, and it'll be only available for Gators Breakdown Plus members. Uh, so uh, even more content there, um, some more written content as the season gets along as well, probably more opponent preview stuff uh, when, uh, when when it's all said and done. You sign up, put your email in. You'll get a newsletter uh, pretty much emailed to your inbox, and I'll be more content, um, more content-driven that way. Send us stuff to your inbox more and more chats to your podcast feed as well on the Gators Breakdown Plus podcast feed. So everybody, thank you so much uh, for all the support. Five years running. This is our fifth season going in. Can't wait for it to start next week. Um, a lot of lots, lots to look forward to here on Gators Breakdown and Gators Breakdown Plus. All right, that will do it here for this chat. I'll do it again. We'll see sometime next week. Uh, I don't know when yet. Uh, like I said, let me figure this schedule and stuff out. We'll get it going. But everybody, thanks for hopping in. 
uh, for this chat. One week away 